All right, we are live. A sad night on Tap and Birdie. Uh, the end of the swing season to come about. Joined by a very special guest, Spencer Aguilar, who does not one. I only do one podcast. He does three podcasts, okay? It's very impressive. I love it. He's on the Be The Number podcast, which he does himself, the Better Golf Pod, Win Daily PGA Show. I mean, you're just all over the place, man. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great, Brian. It's a pleasure to do your show for the first time. And they should have never let us do a tournament together when there's Louie and Day in the field with each other. I, I knew it. Like, I was like, what, do you want to come on for the RSM? Like, that just seems like an event both of them would play. Honestly, very shocked Louie's playing this week. Like, I don't I'm very shocked why. Jason Day's playing back-to-back weeks. So we both got a little bit of a surprise. You know, we both got um, we got our favorite golfers in the field who are obviously wagering money on that. Just like yeah. it just it's not even a part of the handicapping process <laughs> for the week. It's just like you always bet on your favorite golfer. It doesn't matter the circumstances or the course or the event. We have our guys. You know, they're a little similar, a little older, you know, not past their prime, but, you know, the major winners. You know, they're, they're just great players. And I, I'm excited to see them uh, excel this week, certainly. They both have bad backs. We can add that to the mix with it. But I think, yeah, I, I think it's a good setup for both of them this week. I think that it's not going to come as a shock if either one of them can be competitive. <laughs> Obviously, Louis more so with it. I mean, we see that with the baked in odds with it. But I think it's a good tournament. I think it's going to be an exciting one. And, and I look forward to talking to you about it. You know, I think we've been very fortunate with these swing season events because we've really had some really good fields, some really good winners some interesting courses. It's just like, I feel like the swing season has been good. Like we've had decent fields. I, I don't know how it's been many years past, but I just felt like there were a lot of stacked leaderboards and there was always a nod on favorite and there were really no long shots. So uh, I'm excited to, to cap it off here at the, uh, the RSM. Yeah, we had a good influx of corn fairy players too, that I think have added a little something to the mix. There's a lot of really good guys that I like and you know, one of the things I did is I did change my model that I put out there a little bit. I was having too many of those guys in the top 30 and 40 every single week. So I made some minor changes and I think it's going to help with the way I do it. There was only two players this week that graded in the top 50 of my model uh, that were Corn Fairy guys. That would be Davis Thompson and uh, Alex Smalley. So those were the two guys. Everybody else fell beneath that threshold that I'm looking at. But uh, I agree. It's been very good tournaments. It seems like a lot of the top players are playing well in them. Obviously, we got a win from Rory, Sung Jay. I mean, down the board with people that are kind of yeah. like 50 to 1 or better in these tournaments. So not as many long shots as we normally get. And I will point it out. This is a tournament that we get a lot of long shot winners. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case this year. I think we're going to have one of these better guys win the tournament. No, I, I completely agree. I noted that in my article last week. I'm like, look at these winners. Like, they all have, like, a lot of pedigree. Like, it, like even Herbert and Homa. Like, Homa mm -hmm. has a lot of pedigree. He won last year on tour, and he was 60-1. to 1. And then Herbert, I mean, he's won on the European tour. Like, he's a good player. It's like, there's been no long shot winners. And then, like you pointed out this week, it's like, I posted the odds of my, the odds of my article of recent winners. It's like, 50 to one is like lowest, but I mean, and a lot of people, which I'm surprised with a little bit are like, they're just starting their cards, like 50, 60 to one and going up and they're riding the trend that once again, we are going to see a long shot winner here at RSM. But before we get into that, I want to get your take. Cause I always like to reflect on the week before and the winner and how things shake out. I'd like to reflect a second on Coke racks with, because although it wasn't, like a huge popular play. There were a lot of smart people and a lot of guys on it. And I just think it's interesting how sometimes recent form 
like turns people away from golfers and it turns out to not matter at all. What do you take away from Kokrak's win given his bad recent form? And then, you know, he just comes out and wins the thing. That's one of the reasons why I run my model from a longer term perspective. I'm trying to get rid of some of the recency bias that gets thrown into the mix with it. Uh, if you take a guy like Kokrak specifically, yeah, the recent form didn't look good, but he was one of the top climbers in my model from a win equity perspective. So as you mentioned, there was a lot of smart people that were on him. I unfortunately didn't end up with a ticket on him, but uh, he was, I believe, the second biggest climber I had in win equity for the week. And, you know, for whatever reason, I went in other directions. It's golf betting. There's a lot of small nuances here and there that might lead you to somebody or away from somebody. But uh, I don't think it's a shock that Kokrak won. And, and as I said, it's one of the reasons why I run my model just to be a longer term perspective with it. I think once you can get rid of that recency bias, and we talked about this a little bit on my show, it's like, it's no different than the football game where everybody sees in prime time, a team yeah. look really bad on a Sunday or Monday night. And then the next week they move past that point threshold that all of a sudden now they're seven and a half point underdogs. And they went from four and a half point underdogs and they've moved past that thing. And you see the positive and the negatives with it, with good play and with bad play. Like, I talked with Andy Lack a little bit last week with Taylor Gooch and Aaron Wise when we were discussing them for DraftKings contest. Those are guys that were $7,000 golfers. And, you know, granted, I thought it was fair prices on them last week, but all of a sudden they were now in a position that we're not really accustomed to seeing from them. And they're $9,000 golfers where it's just a little bit more difficult for them to pay off their price tag. And unfortunately, they don't necessarily, they're, they're not as inclined to do it when you know, if 20% of people are on them, it becomes a more difficult proposition. They're kind of become a fade in those routes with it. So um, I think it's always a good position to put yourself in to try to look at things longer when you can. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that like the course fit made total sense. Kokrak is amazing mm -hmm. off the tee. Like he can get high with the putter. But the thing that kind of threw me off is that although he plays well in difficult conditions and when you go on Fantasy National and you look at his thing, it says he gains the most trucks in difficult conditions. He didn't have a great major record, which I was just like, that might have threw me off a little bit. And then just the recent form has been bad. But I think it once again proved that just having win equity and just like knowing how to win on tour, like just proved so valuable this week. It was just like, it just, it like, it's just crazy because it's like, he's a guy who doesn't win for a really long time. And then he goes out and wins three times in a span of like a year, like a little over a year. It's just like the dude knows how to contend on Sunday. And he took down Spieth earlier in the year on Sunday when a lot of people thought Spieth would smoke him. It just like, and that 50 to one range, it's just like, you kind of got to go with the guy that knows how to win. And that's why I'm mad at myself because like, I bet Seamus Power at 50 to one. When I'm riding Seamus Power up, I'm like, he's not going to win. Like, I don't see him winning this tournament. Like, no, you just bet the guy that actually wins. So obviously hindsight's 2020. It's a lot easier to say after the fact, but it's just like, I don't know, man, win equity and maybe recent form. I mean. Kind of throw it out the window if it's the right course for the golfer. Yeah, if we're talking specifically win equity and outright wagers for for what we're doing right now, you know, you don't need to be good every single week. Like that's more of a cash game thing, a head to head wagers, things like that, where you're trying to find more safety. A guy can miss eight cuts in a row, but if your numbers say something like that's different than the market, you should keep betting the guy and finding your value on it because that one victory is worth so much more than the eight missed cuts. Like. Sure, you can hedge. I don't, and there's some people that are overseas that have each way and things like that. But 
Uh, assuming that we don't have that at our disposal and you're not able to get in a hedge that's, you know, right with it, a second place is as good as a miscut in reality with it if you don't find your way out of a ticket or out of a hedge with it. So uh, the upside is what really matters. I think that's the one thing that people don't take enough into account when it comes into the outright market. Everybody sees plays that they like, but the question you have to ask yourselves is, can they actually win the golf tournament? And that's, you know, a, a question that sometimes the answer is no to that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let perp, as we say in podcast, perfect transition into the odds on favorite this week and Scotty Scheffler. Obviously, I had a big ticket on him last week. I wrote him up. Like a lot of people were on him. Uh, didn't come through. Thought for a second it might have a uh, cash and he was going to get his maiden uh, PGA Tour victory. But that, you know, did not happen. And I am, I couldn't be more happy to miss out on Scotty's first win. I won't be there. And I especially won't be there at a number like 14 to 1. I truly believe it is. There are some favorites where it's like, okay, I understand. Like, it is an unbettable number for me at 14 to 1 this week. I don't want to say that he choked or he gagged it, but he made bad bogeys on the back. They were bad bogeys. They were three putt bogeys. And he had a, I would say golf is about making three put, three foot putts for par under pressure. And for right now, he can't seem to do that on Sunday. I will not be playing uh, Scotty in any way, shape, or form this week. On my unofficial card, I bet him to miss the cut. So, top of the board, I want nothing to do with Scotty. Obviously, recency bias, but I think the number makes it more warranted to not go back to Scotty, not just because he broke his, my heart last week. Yeah, I think the the breaking the heart is uh, obviously going to be less of a thing for me with it. I, I think that anytime you're trying to get a first time winner, if you're in that sub 30 to one range, you're kind of asking for a lot. There's just certain golfers. If Scotty Scheffler beats me and he could beat me this weekend and it's very possible with it, but let a first timer beat me like I'm not going to go chasing a 14 to one golfer trying to be ahead of the market on that. Like. You know, it would be one thing if he was 40 to one in this field, yeah. um, not that he would be ever, but it'd be, let's just say he was 30 something to one. I think that makes a lot more sense if you're going that route with it, but two good performances in a row. He goes from a guy that's usually in the thirties. Now he's the betting favorite in this tournament. I agree with you. It's just one of those spots where I'm going to miss out on his win if it happens. And there's a lot of guys like that. We saw that with Will Zalatoris for a while. Um, that number has become a little bit more reasonable in some of these last few starts, but so a lot of these guys that are just a little too high in the market from what they probably should be. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I, hopefully it's a Tony Finau situation where they're just like, all right, we're going to put him at 50 to one. Cause this guy can't win. And then he goes out and wins and we'll be on him like that week. Like you yeah. were on uh Tony at the, uh, the Northern trust, an excellent win, of course, in your long line of uh, great winners uh, recently. Next guy, course, horse Webb Simpson excels on these types of tracks, shorter Bermuda tracks, par seventies. I don't, I'm not betting him this week in any way. I think his ownership will be very high on DraftKings. So I don't like him in that sense. And I think Scotty's ownership will be high because of the recent form. I really like the next guy. I have no doubt that Webb can contend this week because I think it will be another Wyndham situation where Webb just goes to a web course and he posts a top 10. And, you know, that's, that's great. And I think a top 10 play on him would be pretty decent, but um, he's not who I like at the top of the board. I won't be betting him, but I, I really have no doubt he can top 10 this week. Yeah, my model always likes Webb Simpson. He's going to jump off the page at a shorter course where he's found past success. Uh, we even see that with him ranking first here for upside in my model. Um, but some of these spots do get weird with Webb for the reason that you mentioned. He carries over his course history probably 
the best of anyone on tour. I think a guy like Abraham answer is quickly falling into that mold when he plays these similar setups himself. Uh, but it's been a little bit more up and down at the RSM than we see at some tracks, two top threes in his last four starts since 2016, two additional finishes in the thirties. Um, now the thing is, is, you know, I think if you look at Reb's recent form, which is what's going to draw some people off him, only one top 10 in his last 10 starts, but it's going to come on one of those courses that he seems to roll over with it. So if, uh, if we just look at these courses and like the Wyndham RBC Sony would be the three that pop out in my mind, seventh at the Wyndham, ninth at the RBC Heritage, fourth at the Sony this season. If we go to 2020, third at the Wyndham, first at the Heritage, <laughs> third at the Sony, um, I don't think he's necessarily as good here as he would be at those three places, but I certainly understand why he's pro popular on a site like DraftKings. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily want to bet him as an outright wager. I think those numbers are a little bit inflated, although my model likes him. As I said, he's number one for me in some iteration of how I ran yeah. it. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm just going to just going to honestly, if I were to like just like trying to bet on every guy or just trying to be, I would bet web top 10 this week. I don't know if I'll yeah. get there. We'll see. But I'll, I might bet Webb top 10 this week. I think it would be a profitable bet. Next guy, Cam Smith. Favorite play of the week. Favorite play of the year. Favorite play of my life. You know when you just write up a guy and you're just like, I just, this is it. Like this, I have to play this guy. I have to wager a lot of money on him. Like I just love Cam Smith this week for a lot of reasons. One, um, some stats. I know, I know you like some stats. He's first in birdie or better percentage over the past 24 rounds, fifth in strokes gained putting, and fourth in proximity from 125 to 150 yards. And this is a scenario with Cam. It's kind of like my own feel about watching him a lot. Like, I just love Cam Smith with a wedge in his hand. I feel like he is so deadly and always puts it so close, and that is evident by his stats from that proximity distance. So, I just some random guy on Twitter. He actually does bet golf betting, so I'm gonna shout him out. He got me a 22 on him. I'm already on him at 18. Top 10, top 20. I love Cam Smith this week. I like him in wind. I like him on Bermuda. Just a guy that can go out and just make a bunch of birdies. And last week, he still finished top 20 with like losing like four strokes off the tee. I don't see off the tee being a problem this week. We have wide fairways. It's a shorter course opposite of last week. So, so many signs point to Cam this week. I'm on him. My friend Jerz is on him. I love Cam Smith this week. You got any thoughts on the uh, the big Aussie? Yeah, I, I like Cameron Smith a lot for this particular setup. I considered adding him to a card when I started this. One of the things I did when, when uh, prices did come out, I kind of had a happy trigger finger with it to where uh, we'll get into some of the guys that I bet, but my card got a little bit too big in certain spots to where I couldn't find room to get Cameron Smith into yeah. it with the way I built it. But I agree with you. I, I think, I mean, he's the, to add more stats to what you just said, he is the number one ranked player in my model when looking at that recipe of irons plus putting that I use. And so that is essentially to try to condense that a little bit. It's taking the proximity ranges from 125 to 175 yards and then taking the make percentages yep. of where the makes are coming at this week. So the number one player when looking at that, that's been a stat that's had great rollover predictability. Uh, a guy like Charles Howell places in the top five for that. We saw him win at this course. I think it makes a lot of sense with Cameron Smith. I'm not going to talk anybody off of him. Um, he's also fifth when it comes to scoring on easy courses. It's kind of what you're saying with it. He's a really good birdie maker. Um, I, I like his upside a lot. And I think he's a guy that makes a bunch of sense this week. 
Yeah, I I was because like I was kind of like, oh, do I just go kind of long shots? And then it's like I'm writing him up. It's like I would be an idiot not to play him. So I was like, I'm just gonna structure my card around him and just have some guys later on. And you know, I'm trying to structure my outright card a little more tighter, a little more clean. So if I'm betting a guy super down low, you know, kind of move towards the um the later stage. But look, it, it's just a play I love, and I'm gonna be all over this week. And, um, you know, I really hope it, it works out. They rarely do when you when you love it too much. But I just think he has an amazing week. So next guy, this guy, Louie Ustazen, he's from South America. He's good in majors, um, you know, kind of is known to maybe gag a few drives when in contention about to win a tournament. Um, I obviously bet him outright. He's on the unofficial card. Okay, like I, I'm betting Louie this week if he does win. But I know you like Louie. This week, so I would love for you to tell me about why my favorite golfer uh, has a chance to contend this week at the RSM. So here's the thing about doing your show, or even when I do Andy Lack's podcast, there are certain <laughs> weeks where I'm going to build an outright card more aggressively. That doesn't mean I'm making negative EV wagers, and it certainly doesn't indicate that I'm betting just a bet. But there is a built-in level of aggressiveness to take during those weeks. I don't want this to be a boring show where I only have one outright wager to discuss and the podcast lasts 10 minutes. So while I always suggest top 40 wagers, head-to-head bets, and things of that nature being your primary bankroll builders, I'm bringing all the stops this week. And one of the first bets, or at least the first bet on my card that I placed was Louis Oosthuizen at 25 to 1. You know, I mentioned um, on my show, Be the Number, yesterday, how a lot of times when you do these podcasts, you don't get views after the fact on it. Like the show airs and that's it with it. But could you imagine the popularity of this episode that what it would attract if your guest came on the show, recommended Louie as an outright, and that's the week he wins his first title inside the United States. I just assume tapping birdies becomes the number one golf cast in the industry. If that happens. And I want to be a part of it. If it does the win equity in taking him is better than the money even is with it. But, um, you know, I always try to use books where or at least books that I can recommend to people that where you can find it. There's a 25 to one on FanDuel right now. Upside and Louie don't usually coincide with one another, but I did notice some trends for why I believe he's a better outright bet or I guess even a GPP target than a cash game play on a site like DFS. Anytime a player is struggling with the best aspect of their game, and we do see that here with Louie going ice cold with his putter and averaging negative two strokes per start in four straight losing efforts. Um, you know, that can be as much of a positive as it is a negative. On one side, the safety decreases because it's always scary when what you do best isn't working. But that can easily be flipped and looked at as a positive when shooting for potential. He's the number one player in this field over his past 24 rounds in strokes gain when we remove putting from the equation. And while birdie fests aren't typically the setups I like to target him at this week, it's not as if the winners have gotten the 25 under par. It would be naive to say Louis can't get himself to 20 under if his flat stick heats up. I guess the one argument to be made against them of anybody who's trying to discredit it, um, his proximity from 125 to 175 yards isn't exactly ideal, but the weighted putting plus iron category that I ran still placed him 15th overall. That's a steady increase over his 60th place output in my model when looking at just the 125 to 175 yard range. Uh, but one of the things I didn't note to start this show, 8.7% more putts get made from beyond 10 feet here than an average tour stop. It's not as if players will be pin hunting in most situations. Yeah. And I'm willing to rely on Ustazen's flat stick to turn it around in this particular situation. 
Yeah, no, that's – I think the putting is a really interesting point because it's just like he was number one putter on tour for so long and he was contending in all these events. And then it's like the putter kind of goes by the wayside. It's like he's got to be able to figure that out. And I would, you know, really be upset if uh, it didn't and he just like couldn't putt all year. And then he would just like – that would just – I would kind of lose my brand and like just lose everything what I do. So I hope for the sake of me – that he uh, can turn the flat stick around. But I do think that there is a potential this week that the weather might pick up and it might be a little bit more difficult. But um, I say that is a scenario where he probably has more of a chance. Um, and le- if it, like the weather's bad and, you know, it's uh, kind of going to be a, a higher scoring event and uh, he only has to get to like 15 under. But there is, I don't think anyone would be surprised if Louis just gained four strokes putting and like turned his plastic around and just like played really well because just Tita Green, he's just excellent. Like he just, just dials it up and puts everything to 10 feet. And recently he just hasn't been making those 10 footers. But I think that there is a good chance that he can turn it around this week. So yeah, I'll be betting on Louis. Like it's just, it doesn't, you know, the course doesn't matter. If, um, if uh, really quickly to that, two things to it. The first thing is, is if Louis is able to keep his tee to green game the way that it's been and the putter heats up, he could lap this field. I mean, he could get to a number that like you wouldn't expect him to get to in a birdie contest. The second thing about your Brandon Louie, here's what you got to understand. I've been playing this game with Jason Day for like four years now, and he just misses every single cut, and my brand's still going strong with it. So it's one of those things where I'm going to keep riding it even if Louie couldn't make a putt. I, yeah. I think you will be okay with it. Yeah, I mean, Louie just, you know, he's winning at St. Andrews where he won his first Open Championship. So everyone can just hop off when he wins his second major and he can't win. It's not on U.S. soil. I see no reason why. Open, July 2022, Louie's winning, book it. Just, I'll see you there. Um, next guy, another person you like. Another, I think he's a very smart bet this week. I think a lot of people that bet on golf, look at data, you know, understand golfers and where they can excel. I drafted in my fantasy golf league. It's Corey Connors. T- talk about a tee to green machine. Talk about just being good with with iron play. And that's, I think it's so important this week. It's iron play and putting. It's less about off the tee. It's less about around the green. I think it's just, just being a tee to green machine this week. Corey Connors, I don't know what number. I could probably get it like 28 maybe. I I don't know what the best number you could get on Corey Connors, but I think a lot of people, smart people are on him. So it makes sense that you, Spencer, are also on Corey Connors this week. What do you like about him? Yeah, so I got him at 27 to 1 on FanDuel. And it's funny because when people think of me, they're immediately drawn to Jason Day, Seamus Power, guys like that. But it was actually Corey Connors a few years back that got me started in this industry and first put me on the map. I had him at 250 to 1 when he won the Valero Texas Open. It was the first real insight people got into the models I was releasing when he was number one overall that week. Uh, Twitter is a different place now than it was in 2019. But even then, my page saw a massive increase overnight. And it thankfully brought a ton of users over to my work at Rotoballer. People started you know, taking me more seriously with some of the outright bets I was placing. So uh, any of the old school guys that follow me will remember that. But I'm going to go back to the well on him this week. And I will run down some of the categories that he graded in the top 10 of my model. Uh, But as everybody will see, it's almost across the board in every pertinent measurable, including various others that I didn't even include in my mix this week, but can still be found or I still found worth looking into. Um, I will note that off the tee is a few percent more impactful here than an average tour stop. A lot of that is because of the accuracy that comes into play. But we've seen good off the tee players like Day and Luke List take varying routes to find success that aren't exactly coinciding with purely accuracy. 
Connors is second in this field when it comes to strokes gain off the tee over the two-year model that I ran. And he grades inside the top 10. And this is an extensive list for everybody listening, but I, I think it's important to name all these things. Strokes gain tee to green. Uh, strokes gain total. Strokes gained at easy courses. Venues under 7,200 yards. Play in wind. Bermuda grass. Par 4 scoring from 400 to 450 yards. Accuracy. Greens and regulations gained. And his combination of putting plus iron play. Uh, when we look at that weighted putting total that I did, he turns into one of the biggest climbers when running a model to find uh, how a golfer improves when putting from distance versus an overall array of the flat stick. The top five largest improvements for me were Brandon Grace, Russell Henley, Corey Connors, Matt Wallace, and Charles Howell III. No, I, I, I'm I'm going to see what his, uh, his top 20 odds are because I feel like I'd be a fool if I didn't didn't play some money on Corey this week because I just think this course sets up really well for him. And I think that the fact that he didn't play every single swing season event, it kind of means something like he's trying to pick his spots. He's trying to find a course that he can contend well on. And like you talked about, the guy's just a tee to green machine and a win from him is coming. I think that he's going to have an amazing new season. And I think a win can definitely be in, uh, in the cards here this week. So um. You, you sold me on uh, Corey Connors. The next guy is someone you can't sell me on. I'm completely done with Russell Henley this week. He was the most tipped golfer on the golf um, tip chart. I respect them. They're very good. They, you know, they, you know, quote and um, track everyone's picks. I just, I can't do it with Russell Henley. I know it makes sense for him this week. And we're talking about a Wyndham comp. We're talking about the same golfers playing same well on these two different courses. And, you know, obviously he was in contention there and played really well. And it's another, and a lot of people liked him there because it's like wedge play. Like he's good from those approach numbers. He's had an excellent swing seat, not excellent swing season. He's had a couple top 25 and then last week was his best event. Um, he was, you know, very close to the lead at certain points. Um, and then he missed a few putts on Sunday, which is fine. That that's okay. I just, with Russell at this number, like, I just like, I'm just not going to get there. But I think the one thing about Russell is that he just always puts well in Bermuda. That is all he puts well on. It's Bermuda and it's Bermuda this week. So I think with his talent, Tita Green, it's enough of a reason um, to want it back, Ross Henley this week. But g- give me your case for for Ross Bass. Uh, if I could redo this, and so when we're talking about like actual wagers of what the first one I put in, it would be Russell Henley. That was the first one. I got him at 31 to 1. I don't love the steam that's around him right now. Now, obviously, you have some books where he's like down to 20 to 1, and I don't condone that price. Um, and I don't normally don't take shots on three players sub 35 to one while still building out the back end of my card, but it was easy enough to do it that way and still keep my units under 1.20 for the week. I think in retrospect, I would give a deeper dive into Joaquin Neiman. If I was doing this again, maybe Adam Scott, uh, it's just when I ran my model the first time and I'm going to trust my numbers more than anything of what other people are betting, because at the end of the day, that doesn't matter to me. Like yeah. I'm building things t- for my own sense with it. And I'm running my own mathematical equations that I'm trying to find an edge, but you know, it is less encouraging when every single person in the world seems to be on him. And there is a negative trajectory that we can find to him. Um, I, I guess the things I will say with him is Henley's the type of golfer that runs hot and cold. And he enters the week dialed in with his irons, having averaged 5.2 shots over his last three starts. He has a lot of similarities when it comes to where Webb Simpson plays well. I mean, we've been talking about that a lot. 
And I think at 31 to one where I got him, I think it was a price at the time that was almost three times as much as Webb Simpson. I think those are two golfers where the win equity is very similar. As I said, I don't love that everyone in the industry seems to be on him, but my mentality is to use him as an outright with how I did it and potentially pivot elsewhere for DFS contests. I would not be shocked if he burns the industry. I think that it might be going in that motion right now, but the consequences of him doing that in the outright market aren't severe whatsoever. As yeah. I keep mentioning, if he's not first, you're essentially last in this. And uh, if he misses the cut, it's going to be no different than a guy who was kind of sort of in contention and comes in 17th. Yeah, no, I agree. And I was like, I was like, I was texting Andy before we got to like a heated argument about Russ. And I'm like, I don't know. I like him playing well last week at a difficult course. And then like in my mind, Russell Henley playing well at the U S open at a difficult course. Like, and then like the Wyndham, it was only like 14 under. And then like the Sony he played well at was like, like, I think I, this is just my opinion. I'd rather play Russell Henley at harder events. And again, this week has the potential to be a little bit more difficult and that plays out well for him because i just don't think he can make enough putts like i think russ is amazing at just hitting the green and making par and then like he's always in it because he's not making a lot of bogeys because tee to green he's just so good so you know to, and again this is where the weather comes into play we don't know what the winning score will be but i think that if the winning score is minus 15 minus 16 i think that plays well better than if it's minus 19 or minus 20 because i don't see him making enough putts and i like his game on harder courses where he just has to make par because he's a tee degree machine so that's my take on russell handler this week i'm not betting him i just just can't get there and really uh, fast I, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there, no I, I, i'm good you're good uh, really fast, just to kind of round out that point of what you're mentioning with that. Uh, he's 45th in my model over the long-term data in overall birdie or better percentage. That's not what you want to see in a thing that's a birdie fest. He's 16th overall from a bogey avoidance perspective. The one thing I did like with him, um, obviously the plantation course, you're going to have four par fives there. Um, the other three, you're just going to have your normal, uh, two, uh, but from a par five perspective, 62nd and par five average, 73rd and par five birdie or better percentage. I do think that's an increase from him on a par 70 course when he's going to get three of those there. That's one of my reasons. Like if I'm going to play Henley, I like short courses. I like Bermuda and I like par seventies. He kind of hit all those bullets of what I was looking for when I started my card with it. And he grades in the top 19 in every metric that I ran. And, um, you know, there's a couple guys that fell into that mix, but when I saw that originally, I thought 31 to one was too good of a number. As I said, I'm not going to necessarily condone a wager at like 22 to one. I think you've yeah. missed the window at that point. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting. I, I, I'm interested to see how he's going to play this week. And when I say that, I said that about Copac last week. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how they play, being like he's probably missed a cut and then he went out and yeah. won. So I would hope, Russell, for you, I hope he wins, but I would, I don't want him to win. Um, so we'll see. Maybe a top 10 on him could work. I, I have no doubt he could contend. Um, next guy I want to talk about um, picked up a lot of steam earlier in the week and was just like easily chalk play of the week. And everyone was like, oh, kids are supposed to death. Everyone's betting him 50 to one. And I'm like, why are people shitting on this Kisner pick? Like at 50 to one is just like, I just don't understand how that is a bad bet. He holds the score 72 hole scoring record here. He was second place here last year. He has three other top tens. And, you know, everyone remembers the window. Everyone remembers him winning. And I vividly remember that. And Joe, I don't, he came on my podcast and we talked about it. And I'm like, you know, his past two starts weren't that good. Like he, you know, he needs to be informed to win. 
And it's just like, I'll never mis- I'll never make that mistake again with him. It's just like, like what? You play Kisner on Kisner courses. It's a Kisner course this week. You play him 15 to number, 15 to one. Great number. I got a 50 to one, 15 to one, 750. I, I have no problem with that. And then he's like, not, he turns out to not even be the most tipped golfer of the week. I don't know what his ownership is right now, but it's not, he's not the f- most owned guy. No, so I'm just like 50 to one. Yeah. I wouldn't bet it at 35 to one, but I like a 50 to one on him. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is with Kisner, if we're looking at primarily DraftKings contests, I am looking to fade him in that market. I think there's a lot of negatives around him. Um, you know, if, like if we just even run through everything with him, like five top sevens during his nine starts at this venue, that's including a win. That's great. There have been three missed cuts that have been sprinkled into the mix. What I'm more concerned with from a DraftKings perspective is he's averaging negative 7.98 strokes total over his last six starts. And that's including a victory at the Wyndham. Uh, it's been nothing but boom or bust for him lately. I don't love taking on that risk at over 10%. But as you just mentioned with it, and as we keep talking about it, outright tickets are a little bit different. You can take on that upside and try to attack him in that way. I don't have a ticket on Kisner. I, I went more in other routes, obviously, when I have three guys sub 40 to one. It's a little bit harder to get into spots. I wouldn't have gotten to Kisner as it is with it, but I certainly understand the notion of why people like bet him at 50 to one to start the week. Like my model didn't see the same value with it. But with that being said, he was one of the climbers I saw when looking for upside and win equity. Yeah. No, I'm down to 50 to one. Like I'll see what happens. Probably about him top 22. You know, I like that. I think that he can contend and I'm fine with, uh, with Kay Kisner this week. Next guy, you're betting. Very popular bet. Um, I think a lot of smart people are on him. I think he's a good play. It's Chris Kirk. So what what uh what did you like about Chris Kirk this week? And why do you think he's a, a good bet, good DFS play, and you think he's gonna excel this week? Yeah, I like Chris Kirk across the board. I got him at 70 to one, and I'm just gonna keep trusting my numbers on him as he seems to be one of the best values on the board weekly. The current form leaves a little something to be desired, but great course history. And we see that with how he grades out in my model. He's top 19 in all five metrics that I ran for the week. I keep alluding to that. The only ones that fell under that category, Webb Simpson, Corey Connors, uh, Chris Kirk, and Russell Henley. Uh, There is a 65 to one on FanDuel and a few better spots that I found on offshore markets if you're still looking. But Kirk, Neiman, Sungjae, and Hovland were the four that my model kept liking every week for pretty much the last two months. Sungjae and Hovland got themselves into the winner's circles shortly after. I did kind of trap myself for all the reasons I mentioned when I rushed to bet Henley early in the week. It didn't leave any room for Neiman. I do partially worry that I might end up missing that boat on three straight outright tickets to where my model was right and I just you know went the wrong way with it. But uh, the bets have unfortunately already been placed. I can't really get around it the way that it is. But I am happy with the Chris Kirk wager that I have at 70 to 1. And I've seen at a lot of shops, he's even down to 40 or 50 to 1. So I think a lot of sharp yeah. money is coming in on him. No, I, I mean I'm looking at these fifty. I think seventy to one number seventy to one is an excellent number on Chris Kirk. I like that bet. And like you said, you got to trust your models. It's yeah. obviously working. So if the numbers are showing you something, you just have to keep going. And it's seventy to one. Again, these are 
These are great numbers. You know, this is what's so great about golf betting. It's a little investment for a big profit if they can pull it off. So I like Chris Kirk. I think that makes sense. Might be another guy you convinced me on. So I'm down. That may I, I think it's a good bet at 70 to 1. I think that's a good number. So moving on, a guy that I bet outright. I got a 65 to 1 on him. I think a lot of smart people in the industry are on him. I got a plus 300 top 20, which I think is a great number. Um, I worry about him competing um, if this gets, you know, to 19, 20 under. But I really do like Mackenzie Hughes this week. Again, we're talking about putting. We're talking about approach play. This guy is just one of the best putters on tour. And I think this could be a week where he, you know, he turns it around and he can just really pop and gain five strokes putting and just be in contention. Um, you know, a thing that worries me a little bit, and we're talking about the you know, difficult conditions, we're talking about it being birdie fest, you know, it can kind of go either way, but he does seem to excel more on tougher tracks. Um, you know, he played well last week. He had two good finishes at the Open and the U.S. Open earlier in the year. But, you know, I'm willing to take a stab at 65-1. to 1 And, you know, like we saw with Robert Shreb, you know, Robert Shreb got his first PGA Tour victory um, at this event, and then he came back and won it a bunch of years later. I think maybe that could happen with um, with Mackenzie Hughes because, again, like we talked about with this course, a lot of the same guys seem to contend year after year. Or, you know, it might be a miscut and a fourth, but they seem to succeed on the course um, at RSM uh, multiple years. So for that reason, um, I'm down for Mackenzie Hughes this week. Yeah, Mackenzie Hughes does see a pretty nice increase in my model. So he's 117th when looking at just strokes gained approach. But when I condensed it down to the zone of 125 to 175 yards, uh, he did crack the top 40 for me uh, in certain ways that I ran that. And then when you add that into the putting that I use, he's 19th overall in that model uh, with it. I mean, when we just look at his putting stats, and as you said, we're, if you're looking for like a guy who can get hot with the putter, He's ninth in this field on Bermuda greens from 10 to 15 feet, 14th from 15 to 20 feet, 24th from 20 to 25 feet, 22nd from 25 feet and beyond. Uh, He's 19th in this tournament at uh, strokes gain total at courses under 7,200 yards. Obviously, if we just look at putting in a nutshell with it, ninth in strokes gain putting, uh, seventh in strokes gain putting in his last 24. Uh, I I, I guess to wrap that up, I think uh, most of what I'm saying, like I, I understand where you're coming from with the only negative that I would say around Mackenzie Hughes is that uh, if you take away his victory in 2016, uh, miscut in 2017, miscut yeah. in 2018, 65th in 2019, miscut in 2020. Only thing I will say about that though, too, is that I don't think there's great rollover predictability at this course. I think you kind of see that with a win and then multiple miscuts. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, he's a guy from a safety perspective that ranks inside the top 25 for me. And uh, I do see what you like in certain aspects with that. You know, I think it makes sense. I, I just think 65 is a good number. And again, a li- I do have a little bit of concern because I think he's going to be someone anytime we get to a difficult condition or a major, I think he'll have a good number on him. And I think a top 20 is good. So I'm hoping that he can, you know, find some of the form that he got when he won here. And obviously he has a game that, you know, if he's won in a course, he has a game that complements the course For just sure. a little bit. So uh, I'm willing to take a stab there at 65 to one. Um, next guy, one of my, was one of my favorite bets um, around like spring last year. It was like Brian Harmon top 20. He just seemed to rattle him off every single week at good prices. But at a shorter course, he knows the area. He's a Sea Island boy. 
Um, what do you like about Harmon this week? Uh, yeah, I got him at 80 to one. That's on DraftKings, but I just think there's a lot of similarities with Harmon that we saw with Kokrak last week. Both were two of the highest climbers in my model when removing safety from the mix. And Harmon actually grades as the 14th best golfer in this field from a win equity standpoint in my model. Uh, one of the reasons, as I keep mentioning, I run my data to feature longer term totals is for that exact reason. I want to find the golfers that the industry and market in general are lower on than they should be instead of the guys that are going to pop only for a short term standpoint. Uh, that is a proven winning formula when you can find advantages and edges for any wager that has drifted in price too far. Uh, you know, the two of us talked a little on my show about the winners typically being someone under the radar. And my opinion behind that stems from a lot of sample sizes being too condensed. Uh, if you can get the long and short-term data to coincide and the market isn't reacting, that's even better. We did see that with home at the Genesis this year. But it's not so much fading the public as it is finding pivots your math agrees with. Um, it's kind of a weird week for me to do this rant when I have Connors and Henley, who are two of the most popular plays of the week. But when I'm higher than the market on those guys, it's sometimes just spots that you have to trust. You know, that makes sense. And I think Harmon, like I kind of alluded to, is someone that like people might be over a little bit. Like he's, you know, people are like he had his good run. You know, he he played well. He hasn't been playing well. So I'm just going to forget about Harmon, even if the course does set up well for him, which I think it does this week. So, you know, I think it's a good play. And I think like you just said, like there's obviously something in you being higher on um, a golfer than the betting market is and it's turned into a lot of success and a lot of winners so i think it could be i think it's a very common thing that we talked about was that everyone gets off a guy and then he goes out and wins when no one expects it so i think Harmon at 80 to 1 he's i'm looking at a 66 to 1 on benjm bet mgm which has some pretty good numbers so i think some people um uh, might be betting him i might look at him for a top 20 see how he's doing um in that market. Um, but you know, I think, I think it's a good bet. And I think it's another example of just playing a golfer that, you know, has, you know, has the skill set to perform on this specific course. So I think that works out well, um, there, let me, you know, we're moving down the board a little bit. Um, a guy I bet at 90 to one might be going a little bit out of order, but I do like Patrick Rogers, um, this week. Um, you know, I bet him a 90 to one again, small investment, you know, big return. And if trends bode well, he's gone miscut, top 10, miscut, top 10, miscut. He is due for a top 10. So I like him for a top 20 at plus 350. But he does have a fourth place. Uh, he has a second place here. He's the runner up here. And he played well at Bermuda, which is, again, a shorter Bermuda track, coastal, maybe a little wind involved. And, you know, he's a guy, you know, he's just, you know, good on approach, good, you know. So I think Patrick Rogers at 90 to 1 um, is a decent bet. I'm going there after um, Kisner, McKenzie, and P. Raj at 90. Yeah, just to touch on Rogers a little bit. And, and maybe this is one of those spots, like I was saying, with Homa at the Genesis, where the price is still staying inflated, but the current form is turning yeah. around with him. and. Yeah. Uh, when I just look at my model from a long-term perspective versus a short-term perspective, the short-term numbers look absolutely brilliant from he's 75 spots higher in strokes gain total in his last 24 rounds, 75 spots higher in strokes gain T to green, uh, 20 spots higher strokes gain off the T 54 spots, higher strokes gain approach 11 spots, higher strokes gain around the green 
and 29 spots higher strokes gain putting. So it's across the board. Every single stat's a little bit better in the recent form with it. And, and this is a little bit different than we're talking about of, you know, a guy's recent form, making him a 30 to one golfer. This is him staying yeah. in the 90 to one zone and markets aren't reacting to him. So, I mean, I think on that alone with the form he's bringing, I mean, he's definitely worth a second look. Yeah, no, I'm down for him at 90 to one. Um, next guy, I wrote him up last week. I bet him he missed the cut. He didn't play well at all. And I kind of didn't love him that week. But, you know, when a guy casts you a bunch of top 20s, you kind of want to keep betting him. And I know I'm probably going to regret getting off him this week. And that is Seamus Power, 66 to 1, I'm looking at. I'm sure you could get a price around there. He just been playing some excellent golf. And that's what I wrote about. It. I was like, this guy just hits top 20s at a really good clip. And he just has been playing some excellent golf. And, and, you know, I think maybe he might excel more on a lower scoring event where the winning score, you know, is, you know, up to 16 under, 17 under and not like it was last week. And that's why he didn't play so well. But, you know, just a tee to green machine. Very good. What what do you like about Seamus Power this week? Yeah, so I, I don't have a, an outright wager on him. But one of the things I really like about Seamus, especially from a DraftKings perspective, is when you look at his course history here, and this is another guy, it's, it's miscut, miscut, miscut 75th. But I think he's a better golfer now than he's ever been in his career with it. And if we're looking for like a placement wager, I haven't gotten there yet with it. Um, I saw a plus 110 on a top 40. I think that's a respectable price. Maybe I'll play it a little bit higher into a, uh, a top 30 if I end up going that route. But I love Seamus's floor. And I think it's one of those spots like on DraftKings. People are going to abandon ship after a bad performance at the Houston Open. But I just think the guy is really good statistically. And I and I don't think enough people are willing to accept that fact with it. And, and like that's one of the guys that I have been preaching about for the last... I mean, I, honestly, it's been the last year. I mean, even before he found all this success, I was writing articles um, before the pandemic took place saying Seamus Power is an elite statistical golfer. And, you know, the guy was getting in as the last man in the field after somebody pulled out and he was a $6,000 golfer and he was randomly popping here and there. But with him being able to play more tournaments and now he's in a different stage of his career, I just think he's a guy that has not as much on like his shoulders to where like there's not as much pressure with it. He's ninth in my model strokes gain total. He's seventh at easy courses. I think that that's something that might play. Uh, he's eighth in wind. He's ninth in strokes gain total over his last 24 rounds. He's pretty good in all the par scoring categories that I'm looking at with it. And uh, even if we're just looking at an overall birdie or better and overall bogey avoidance sense, he's one of the only guys that grades in the top 25 of both of them. So I think Seamus creates very good leverage for a site like DraftKings. And I do think you can find a placement wager on him on uh, like a top 30 properly. I'm, I'm playing him in DraftKings. I'm playing in the top 20 on him. Unofficial card. Might even be the official card. I'm down for Seamus Power this week. I'm not missing out on him. You can't abandon Schiff. And again, I think I like him on easier courses. So I'm not going to let last week affect it in, uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, next guy, the moment we've all been waiting for, truly, Jason Day, major winner, showing some form. You know, he was one of those guys last week, and I know you know, but he was like T5 and then like 45 and then like 20. Like he was kind of all over the place. Am I wrong in that kind of a assessment? He was kind of up and down the leaderboard a lot last week. I think that's actually a good thing in a way because the end performance ended up being so much worse than what it could have been. Like he made a run there um, when he came back to play that round on Friday and even to start the round on the second round on Friday. I mean, he was in the top 10, like 
it looked like it might be happening that Jason Day was going to finally give a performance. And then unfortunately, bad Jason Day crept back in. He fell down the leaderboard. But I, I think one of the things is it's a really good sign that he's playing in back-to-back -back events. The idea of him even saying back-to-back -back would have broken his spine in half a year ago. He has a 12th place finish at the venue last year. And it's important to remember that Day hasn't been himself for a while now. The fact that he continues to be respectable at these short properties like Sea Island, Pebble Beach, and a few other locations that fall under that mold means that we probably should be primarily looking at him when the yardage drops. Uh, it's not going to come as a shock to anyone that I played him at 100 to 1. It's the same thing with you. Louis a bet. He's not going to make the official card. Jason Day's a bet for me. He's not going to make the official card. Uh, but I am fine with the idea of if anybody does want to take a shot, I see him down at 90 to 1 now. Uh, these are always hard wagers to condone for others to place. So I don't want to lose money on a wager that's more of a, a homer pick at this point, I guess, if you want to call it that. But the one thing I will say, he is slowly creeping back towards a top 40 player most weeks when I run a model. It could be a situation where you can get out in front of him early at a course that suits his game. And I think that's the most important trend with him. That is what people are missing here. Yeah. No, I love it. I think he's going to make the cut. I think he could post a top 20 this week. Um, I think the the signs are there for JD. I'm a little bit jealous of you that like your favorite golfer you bet every week. So like 90 to one, like mine's yeah. like 20 to one. Like it's a lot tougher, you know, to get there and win something good on it. But Louis not going to win this week. I have really no doubt um, in my mind about it. But these long shots are just like, it's literally $10. It's legitimately $10 and it wins you more than what I try and win on a guy sub 25, you know, because on a guy sub 25, I'm trying to win like 700 and that's, you know, I don't care about the $35, but it's just like a little bit more. You, you can't bet that many, but I always condone. I would never throw less than $10 on a nap, right? Like if it's just 10 bucks, you know, it's just fun. So I'm down for J-Day this week. I think he has an excellent week, and uh, I'm excited to see how uh, he performs. The last guy I have on my card, I got a 125 on him, which I'm really happy about. It's a great number. Is Denny McCarthy. Um, he excels on Bermuda putting. He has the ability to go low, and he gains strokes in windy conditions. Like Those are just all three things I'm looking at this week. And he's had a really good fall swing. He's just been playing some decent golf. So I got a plus – 450 top 20 on him. You could even play it a little bit more conservative, like you like on a top 40 plus 170. I like that. I'll play that. Place a little bit more on it. I liked Denny this week. It was highly touted at the Bermuda, and I was on him, and then it didn't pan out. So, but you know, I'm not gonna let that affect um what I think about Denny this week. I wrote him up 125 to one again, small wager, big return. Like him top 20, like him top 40. Is that a good bet, Spence? Yeah, I mean, Denny McCarthy was one of the, if you listen to my Better Golf podcast, uh, Denny McCarthy was one of the wagers that I recommended as a top 40 at plus 170. Love it. Uh, that's go. plus 165 on FanDuel. Two top 10s in a row for McCarthy, who's always going to do his best work when the putter gets hot. We are seeing that here, but the metrics look steady when we remove the discouraging GIR numbers. He ranks 17th in the weighted category I ran that looked into short courses, easy courses in Bermuda grass. Um you know, I, I do believe he's probably best deployed, even though it's kind of contradicting what I'm saying as a GPP target on a DFS site. Uh, but he has a high enough floor for me that I'm going to bet him as a top 40 as a standard wager. And I do think that there's other unique ways that you can bet him this week. He, from an overall rank sense for me, graded 15th overall. So for Denny McCarthy, $7,000, I mean, there's a really good leverage opportunity. I know he's going to be popular. 
on a site like DraftKings. But I think if you play him in the top 40, you can get around some of that even still and create exposure in other markets. Yeah, no, I like that. I like him on DraftKings. I got a pretty decent bankroll going on DraftKings. I might just use it all this week. And then, you know, once TSC comes around, it's just like, all right, we'll just put some more money in. So I think it might be a heavy DraftKings week for me. A lot of, you know, a lot of single entries, a lot of three entry max might do hundred. I might do 150 lines this week. Like I just, you know, I want to fully embrace this last tournament and get the most enjoyment out of it um, as possible. And I think it will be a, a great tournament to do that because we just went over all, you know, we probably just went over like top 15 players that are going to perform well. So I, I love it. Uh, I'm heavy on DK this week. It, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a really good DraftKings week. I think we see the exposure going to a lot of, you know, the same areas. And if you can find a way to get unique in certain builds and you have a guy that you're higher on in the market, I think there's really good opportunities to uh, differentiate yourself from the pack. And anytime we have these 156 man fields versus what we've been getting lately, uh, you know, the six to six percentages go down. And I think that that's always something that I like. I want to be able to try to use the research and the numbers that I'm running to try to use more of an advantage to it. And when, you know, we're talking about no cut tournaments or 130 player fields, like some of that kind of gets watered down at the bottom so badly with it. And I think this is an opposite week where even though we don't have all the top players here, we still have a lot of really good players and we have a lot of really good value to be found. And I mean, the bottom of the board, I mean, the 6,000s kind of get, weaker fast, but there's a lot of guys to consider. I mean, like there's guys like Zach Johnson and Cameron Davis and uh, people like that. Uh, I really like Michael Thompson this week. Like those are guys that do have top 20 equity in this tournament. Some of them are a little bit more volatile than others, but if you can find the right spots and you piece them together with the winner, I think it's a really good tournament for DraftKings. I love it. I think it's going to be a very profitable week and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, making my lineups uh, tomorrow. So Spencer, it was a pleasure having you on. Um, plug all your stuff. It was a great podcast. I was happy to go on yours. I'm glad you came on mine. And uh, let's end this uh, swing season maybe with, uh, with a nice winner or at least uh, some, uh, some winning placement bets uh, for this week. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on, Brian. It's a long time coming, I feel like, for me to come on your podcast. I was, uh, It was a pleasure to have you on mine with it. But you can find me on Twitter at Tioff Sports. You can find the show I do for Golf WRX. Uh, I film that on Mondays. It airs on Tuesdays. I always post a link to that. That's at Be The Number Pod. I do a show for Win Daily Sports. I do that with my guy, Stick Picks. Uh, he's currently doing football right now. Nick is one of the maybe the sharpest mind in this industry when you're looking at all sports across with it, like him and Sia Najad, who yeah. I do the live show with, Joel Shrek. Like those are guys that are just elite at what they do across the board with it. Uh, but you can find the show that I am doing solo right now until Nick comes back. That's at the Better Golf Pod. And then uh, the live show I do for Win Daily Sports with Sia Najad and Joel Shrek. That is five o'clock Pacific time, which is the same time as your show. Um, on Tuesdays, we film that. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance, check it out. It's always on YouTube. If you're watching Brian's and then you want to see the record of it on uh, YouTube, you can find it there. I think it's on iTunes with it, but yeah, I'm at a lot of places at this point. I'm doing a lot of podcasts, a lot of content, and, uh, it's always a pleasure getting to interact with guys like you, PGA tout and the, I had on Detroit Dave this week, yeah. uh, onto the, be the number pod. So, uh, it's a, uh, pleasure to do this show with you, man. Yeah, no, of course. And I, I, uh, love your work. 
You're very sharp. I appreciate it. Love your models. And uh, I'm just very jealous of your Tony Cantley wins. I just won't I won't get over those those wins because I wish they were I was on them. I want to shout out who's been in the YouTube comments. I want to shout out Jeff, one of my best friends. We talk on the phone. PJ Tout, he's in here too. Chad, my boss, and Back Nine Bets. Go check him out. He does a show every week. He's great. I appreciate everyone who checked it out live tomorrow. We'll be on, you know, Sound. I'll be on, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Fantasy Golf Pod. Chad, my boss, check it out. Pleasure, Spencer. Let's let's win some money this week. And uh, it was a pleasure to have you on. It was a pleasure, man. Keep up the good work with everything you're doing. You're really making headway with this industry. I, so uh, I'm proud of the work that you're doing. You're doing a very good job with it. Th- thank you, Spencer. I-, I appreciate it. Of course, man.